This is the voice of Carnage, and you are listening to Carnage Cast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Carnage Cast. Uh, this week we're talking with James Carpio, but first, beforehand, I wanted to let everybody know that we have a brand new Facebook page for the Carnage Convention. It's called, appropriately enough, Carnage. You should check it out on Facebook and like it, and you can find it via our website, www.carnagecon.com. And now, James, hi, good evening, hello, how are you? I'm doing okay, how's it going, Tyler? Good, uh, you've, you've been up to a lot lately, haven't you? Yeah, unfortunately, too much. Well, I mean, it's all stuff I love, I just kind of end up coming home at night just very cross-wired as to um, what I need to take care of. Yeah, it's that you want to do everything, but you don't have time to do everything. Yeah, if I, you know, if cloning was around, or I had servants, or something of that nature, I think it would probably work out better. Someday. So, yeah, someday. But uh, it, you're at this point in your meteoric rise to someday-ness. W- what exactly is on your plate? Um, well, we're finishing up Tales from the Fallen Empire. So uh, last we spoke, um, it was pretty much just in the process of finishing up writing and getting the artwork in. So everything's together now. We're just pretty much in the process of getting it edited, which I kind of feel that's a lot more difficult than the actual writing. The writing was easy. The editing has been um, near nightmarish, but uh, it's getting there. Yeah, and this was the uh, this was the uh, old school setting you were you kickstarted last spring, right? Yep, uh, that's the one. We the Kickstarter ended in August. We were supposed to go have the book done by the end of January, but uh, as kind of things happen, it didn't quite. There actually, the writing was finished in January, and we've just been over the last couple of months uh, going back and forth uh, with edits. Um, Mary, as uh, my fiance uh, and also my editor, has been uh, working on it, but we just brought in a couple of. Um, a couple of new editors to help out. Um, one is um, Tim Snyder, who is uh, writes the the Savage After Aftermath. I think the name of the blog is um, kind of an interesting uh, grognard type old school blog. He does a lot of stuff. I think he actually self well web published a couple of um, adventures for Thundar the Barbarian, which uh, is some pretty interesting stuff if you ever check out his site. Um, so hopefully with the um, the additional editors, we will have something tangible or at least into layout by the end of April. So the Kickstarter people should be getting their their books, I'm hoping, by the end of May. So that's, that's the path I'm uh, trying to head to for that. Um, other than that, other things on the plate... Um, I'm also, and I, th- I think I've, I've mentioned to you before, but I'm also the content editor for Gygax Magazine. Right. Which issue one just came out in um, January. And what is Gygax Magazine for people who are just hearing about this? Uh, Gygax Magazine is kind of a, well, it's not kind of, it's a, um, it's a, it's a gaming magazine uh, done very much in the spirit of Dragon Magazine. Uh, a lot of people have actually made comments on some of the likenesses of um, just the way we we do things as far as layout and look and the feel. But honestly, the publisher and myself and all involved, um, especially uh, Luke and Ernie Gygax, Gary Gygax's children, his two sons, who are also a, a major part of the magazine, 
uh, this is what kind of what everyone wants to give back to the gaming community is a a solid reference magazine, something that you can read an article today and put it on your shelf and pick up that same book 10 years from now and have the same usable content than you did, you know, the day that you, you picked it off the newsstand. I, I missed out on the Dragon era, but I've heard a lot of people speak very fondly of their Dragon collections and diving back into them for material. And the great thing about the magazine is we have uh, some of the old Dragon magazine people aboard. Um, Tim Kask, who was the original editor for The Dragon uh, back in the late 70s, um, is, is aboard. He's kind of our Yoda, I, I guess, if you want to put it that way. He's kind of our um, our Mr. Miyagi, the, the person who's really just kind of keeping us on the uh, keeping us focused on what we need to do. You know, where a lot of us, you know, well, the thing is, Jason Elliott, the um, the publisher, has done other magazines in the past. He had a successful um, subculture magazine called Permissions back in the late '80s, early '90s, and uh, so I mean, he knows how to run a magazine, but. I think Tim is really kind of just our focus, like just kind of letting us know, hey, guys, uh, we really need to worry about this other than that. And that's also really helped us um, kind of, you know, with our deadlines and making sure that we're getting the correct content into the magazine. So kind of kudos to Tim for that. Mm -hmm. So Gygax is a quarterly magazine right now. And the, mag the first issues just come out? Issue First issues, came, Frank, came out in uh, January, late January. Mm -hmm. So so it is quarterly right now. Believe it or not, we're actually kind of running on our – we're just about at deadline for issue two. Um, we have some great content in store. I, I don't believe I'm at liberty right now to discuss some of the, the authors who we have on board. But um, I think issue two will definitely be as uh, profound and as um, inspiring as issue one. Uh, even as far as the artists we have for uh, the cover for issue two – um, I think will make a lot of people happy. So the great thing about this is that a lot of people have just, um, you know, heard about what we're doing, uh, have have come aboard, have offered for, uh, to help out with articles, um, artwork. Uh, right now, our um, our art director, uh, Jim, I want to pronounce his last name correctly, um, uh, Wampler, uh, who does Marvin the Mage. Uh, the comic strip is our art director, and he has just been amazing at uh, coordinating the art, finding the artists uh, to do the work for the individual articles. Um, in the first issue, for, uh, first issue uh, for example, we have uh, Jeff D., who is uh, well known for his stuff in Deities and Demigods, and a lot of his other artwork in uh, early TSR products actually uh, gave us a piece for Steve Kenson's um, Powers article for the role-playing game Icons. And I think that's uh, a good thing to point out, is that this um, Gygax is extending not to just the ye old school, but uh, more recently published material as well, like Icons. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, because that's one of the things, is a lot of people, when we first, well, when it first leaked, uh, we were actually supposed to keep the magazine very secret until, the, uh, until we had it together and was about to release it. But I think what ended up happening is when we sent out the media packs to um, different people for advertising, uh, it leaked that way. But as soon as people uh, got wind of it, it suddenly became like, oh, no, this is going to be some magazine that, you know, only the old grognards and, you know, the uh, OSR community is going to want to read. And I think when they actually saw that um, 
it wasn't that, you know, that we had people like uh, Steve Kenson, that we had um, Ethan Gils, uh, Gilsdorf uh, writing for us uh, for the first issue. Um, it kind of it kind of changed a lot of minds. Now, there is some old school stuff in there. Um, Michael Curtis, uh, who's worked for Goodman Games and uh, a few other companies, has uh, written a beautiful uh, centerpiece called Nat Damp, which is a a swamp of like ready to use full swamp city and adventure uh, for really any role playing game, but definitely uh, more focused towards uh, some of the older systems, like something you can play with Labyrinth Lord or D and D or or something like that. So with uh, with deadline of, of the second issue approaching, sort of what's your process as the content editor? What are you what what are you going through to put an issue together, and what are you worried about right now? Well. I guess right now it's kind of the worry is a jump ahead to issue three <laughs> trying to get, cause actually we have all the articles in. Um, and again, once issue one was over, it was not a hard uh, time finding writers. Actually, a lot of people contacted me and I, you know, and I, I reached out to a few people who I thought would be excellent additions to, um, to the magazine. So as far as the articles for issue two, when it wasn't too bad, it was just going back with uh, some of the authors to um, tighten up things. Um, one of the things, because actually, if you go to gygexmagazine.com, we do have our submission guidelines there. So anyone listening to this podcast who is um, interested in and submitting an article article to us, we would love to to see what you know what you have. I mean, if you think back to the days of Dragon, uh, there was a lot of people who you know, we're, we're up and coming and, uh, definitely, you know, their names are still around. Um, but yeah, we, we want to see definitely new content. Um, but what I was talking about the, with the authors, again, talking about relevancy in, in articles is that, you know, we don't need anything with web links, right? Because mm -hmm. again, this is a magazine. You can't really click on a magazine to, uh, take you somewhere. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, you can have the argument of that, yes, we also do it in PDF. So, I mean, it could be PDF linked, but just as kind of um, uh, an overall, I think, aesthetic to the magazine, we really don't want to have uh, web links or, or anything like that. It really should just be, should be content. Um, also, reviews. Um, you know, in the day and age of the internet, you can honestly go on to any website. There's hundreds of game-related websites. I mean, you got Board Game Geek, RPG Geek, um, RPG.net, and EN World, which I believe is back up now after their their hardships of a couple of months ago. So if you really want to review for a game, there's all those resources for you. So I mean, do you really want to have, you know, your mag, your print magazine, have reviews in it? Now, I mean, in the in the past, yes, Dragon gave reviews, but Again, that's, you know, unlike Dragon, we, we don't want to go down that path. Um, eventually, GygaxMagazine.com will have a, um, a blog on it where we will have people writing and be able to give all those great reviews and links and everything else. Um, but for the magazine, again, if an article comes to me and it's more or less kind of like just giving a review or it doesn't really offer anything in the way of usable content for a reader or a game master um, player or whatever. Uh, it's, it really needs to kind of either a 
be rethought or be just, you know, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to use it. So the so the emphasis is on that sort of evergreen, always useful material for uh, for role playing itself. Yeah, no, and I mean, you said you weren't really on the dragon bandwagon, but you know, for those, uh, it's, it's just just for the record, it's not that I was off a bandwagon. It was it was just before my time. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Um, well, all right. So I, my apologies, I, but what I'm trying to say, I guess, is that for those of us who were, uh, uh, you know, who Red Dragon at the time it was published, and even then I'm kind of being a little picky about Dragon because I think after a while Dragon kind of became the it was the house organ for um, Wizards of the Coast. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, um, Dragon Magazine. This is really getting into uh, the late '80s, early '90s. Dragon Magazine stopped being. Um, basically the magazine where you can go for all kinds of content because originally um dragon wasn't about all about D D. there was other things that you know you could read about in dragon uh, all kinds of you know different games were mentioned uh and eventually as second edition went in and uh tsr really kind of changed its focus and kind of became a different animal altogether the magazine really kind of changed with it but I, I, you know, I still have a lot of my best of dragons. I have, um, you know, one of my favorite is Dragon Forty Seven, which actually introduced me to a game called Crime Fighters, which is actually a full playable nineteen thirties like super spy pulp RPG that was just included in um, in the uh, in the magazine. At one time, Dragon even gave mini games. Um, Tom Wom, who uh, did, I think, Awful Green Things from Outer Space, yes, uh, had done a couple of games that were in Dragon Magazine. I'm, don't quote me, but I think it was like Snit's Revenge that actually was a, a game that just came right in the magazine. You just kind of pulled it out of the center and popped out the little chits, and you had a full uh, little board game. I thought I heard that Awful Green Things started out in the magazine as well. Um. So that's that's where my my dragon historian thing kind of fails, but um, I, I believe it could have been or strategic review, but again, don't quote me on that. That's where I just kind of bow my head in shame of not knowing such things. All the listeners have the internet at their fingertips, so they can rec- they they can be positive themselves. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we would love to see your submissions. Uh, you can, like I said, go directly to the magazine, and there's instructions on how to submit. Um, we actually have had some submissions. I need to really just kind of, in preparations for issue two, so if any of you are listening who have submitted to the magazine, I will say, one, I apologize for not getting back to you in a timely fashion, but as we start getting ready for issue three, uh, I'm going to be looking at the submissions with a lot uh, a lot closer attention uh, you know, to start looking for uh, usable content. So. For those who have submitted, it's not that we've forgotten about you. It's just um, we're just gearing up for issue two, and it's just a little difficult for me to kind of balance that that load at this point. Mm-hmm. What's the process for pulling an issue together? Uh, as as far as it goes uh, on my end, and like the submission portion uh, portion is fairly new, so that's going to be kind of a a new thing for me of of taking a look at um, outside submissions because actually up until this point. Um, it's all been solicited um, submissions. Uh, just having, you know, working for a couple of different conventions and a lot of contacts with um, other authors, 
uh, it was just easy for me to kind of just go, hey, you know, hey, buddy, I haven't seen you in a long time. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm working with uh, Gygax Magazine right now, and we're, we're just looking, uh, you know, for uh, great gaming content. And, you know, you're someone I thought of. And, uh, you know, and people, again, have just been really happy to go, wow, really? That, that's awesome. And have been submitting uh, material to me. Or I may know, um, um, you know, a subject matter expert in a particular uh, system. Like, for example, um, a good friend of mine, uh, Mark Zuckerman, who I worked with with um, Icon Science Fiction many years ago, is uh, an avid Blood Bowl player. And since we really want to start introducing some other material other than, than role-playing games, uh, you know, like skirmish games and board games and such, I was kind of going, you know, I'm just going to call Mark and see what he thinks about possibly putting us together a a really meaty article on Blood Bowl. And again, he was just kind of like, wow, really? That's awesome. So, um, you know, so therefore we, we have that sitting, you know, now in our ready to be edited file. But so that's pretty much what my job is at this point is to really just uh, go out there and, um, you know, solicit articles from well-known uh, game designers and authors in the industry. And soon it's going to be really a balance of solicitation and looking at, um, you know, submissions that have been sent to us. And at that point, taking a look and saying, all right, well, do we have our centerpiece article? Do we have, do we have something that's going to be good for uh, science fiction? Are we going to have something that's going to be like a heavy fantasy hitter? Uh, something might deal with character generation. So it's right now kind of a, a little bit of a chaotic checklist of going down and saying, well, is, you know, what content do we already have and what really haven't we had yet? And I think that's what really the determining process is. At that point, it goes into a folder. Um, uh, Jason, our publisher, uh, looks over the content as well and just kind of double checks and kind of sees if, um, you know, everything's kind of meshing well. And if that's the case, um, it goes over to um, Mary and Hanai, our two copy editors, who then start ripping everything apart and uh, making sure that, you know, everything is uh, in proper form. Because the thing is, is that while we want to keep the author's voice for the article, we still have to kind of still have a, a unified voice for the magazine. Because mm -hmm. if you kind of start going every which way and the voice isn't or the message isn't the same, then, you know, it really can impact, uh, you know, readership because people might go, ah, this is just nothing but, you know, just disconnected articles. Why do I want to read this? As where if your articles are not only, you know, chosen properly, but also the editing is done to the point where every article is a smooth transition into each other, um, you know, that's really going to make things stand. So you're walking that line between uh, the sort of, the, the the variable smorgasbord of all the genres and making it all hang together. Exactly. Just uh, going ahead and just kind of picking out uh, column A, column B. Now we also have some uh, something else that really uh, kind of got us excited too is that um, I don't know if your listeners out there were uh, people who read uh, Cobalt Quarterly, which uh, just recently, a few months back, uh, Wolfgang Barr had announced that uh, just due to uh, reasons that the magazine uh, wasn't was no longer gonna uh, be in uh, print or you know publication. Mm -hmm. So uh, 
Jason and and Wolfgang kind of on the same wavelength. It was really kind of eerie the way it happened, but they both kind of just got in contact with each other around the same time. And uh, Cobalt Quarterly will still live through Gygax Magazine uh, in a section that I, that is called um, Cobalt's Caverns or Cobalt's Corner. It's one of those. But um, we just actually had Wolfgang feature a couple of articles in Gygax issue one uh, that dealt with um, Green Ronin's uh, AGE system and also a great article on uh, Pathfinder feats. Cool. And we'll be seeing this um, every issue in uh, Gygax where Wolfgang will go ahead and give us some of that great content that used to go into uh, Cobalt Quarterly but still, you know, have it going through uh, the, our magazine. Mm-hmm. I've been, you know, following the development of Gygax magazine ever since I first heard about it. And one of the questions that uh, I'm, I've been wondering about the answer to and sort of watching to see is in the modern di- digital distribution age and the age of blogs, where does uh, sort of a, a collected periodical live? What, 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 what who is it talking to and are they, are they listening? Well, I think right now, as far as the target audience went, was uh, definitely the, you know, going for the gamer crowd, the RPG crowd. Because, say, for example, the um, the release party that happened in Brooklyn back in uh, January. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of the, the A guest list of the, uh, of the event was... A lot of uh, RPG writers, developers, designers, uh, so on and so forth. And while that's that's great, I mean, also just the fact that um, the magazine was was focused on certain content. Uh, a lot of it had to do with the inclusion of um, Luke and Ernie Gygax. And uh, I think another big part of it, so I mean, because there's a whole bunch of things that went into it. Also, something I guess I didn't bring up either is that. Uh, Gygax magazine is being published by TSR Incorporated, so and that's an interesting story altogether. Uh, so, just just to kind of give you a quick uh, a quick story on that is uh, when Watsi bought TSR back in the, the late '90s, uh, when it was uh, Peter Atkinson and Ryan Dancy. Uh, really, they I'm not going to say they gutted it because I wasn't there. I really don't know what their intentions were, but obviously when you, when you take over a company, you're, you're going to take the things that the company makes money on. Mm-hmm. So obviously Dungeons and Dragons is, you know, a household name, how, you know, you're not going to leave that sort of thing behind. But realistically, I guess through taking what they needed from the company, um, the name TSR itself, I guess, wasn't, uh, I don't know if it wasn't of importance or just kind of slipped through the cracks because honestly, you know, a name like that still has kind of a goodwill factor to it. While, you know, it may not be a functioning company anymore. It's something people remember, mm-hmm. but needless to say that they let the license or the, 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 the hold on it lapse. And, uh, in 2010, uh, Jason Elliott, our pub- a publisher, uh, came to the you know finding that that was actually available and put in for the uh, the ownership of it and lo and behold uh, TSR is uh, I don't want to say reborn because honestly we're not the original TSR uh, but I think it was like uh, tactical studies rules right and uh, we're not them so I mean as far as the name TSR that we have the initials TSR 
but anything that was really attached to it didn't come with it. So we, um, so yes, I mean, we are TSR, but we're, I guess, a different TSR, but still kind of with the same goal in mind of, you know, in enhancing, uh, you know, the, the, the hobby and the industry. Right. The spiritual successor. Exactly. And, and one of the things too, is that, um, we're, we're not only looking at, you know, obviously the, the pen and paper angle of, um, of role-playing games, but, uh, Jason, our publisher, is uh, someone who is very tech savvy and someone who, uh, you know, knows many industries. And you know, one of I think one of our goals is to push TSR not only in the the realm of pen and paper, but bring it to that next age. Because you know, if you look at the trends of games now, um, there's a lot of online content for games. You know, online character generation, online. Uh, you know, a lot of people just even play the game online. Mm-hmm. And that's a completely different market, which I think hasn't even saw even half its potential yet. And that's you know that's also something I think the the new TSR is is going to be looking at uh, you know going forward as well. Do you do you, do you see its shape forming yet in the sort of PDF marketplace where the PDF slash blogosphere, I guess, where some people are just cranking out free content on their blogs and other people are packaging their own PDFs? Where does where do periodicals live? I mean, you, you did mention a previous example, Cobalt Quarterly, that was pretty well uh, regarded. Is that sort of where Gygax is going to live? Well, it, I mean, obviously you have to have you have to have your fan base. You have to have the people who are interested in your content because, I mean, if you don't, then, you know, there, there's no there's no market for it. Um, you know, people people sometimes buy things on the whole nostalgia point sometimes people go into it um you know just uh just you know look at kickstarter kickstarter is a perfect example of there are people out there who will just say wow that sounds like an interesting idea and just throw money at it not even knowing if there's going to be an outcome or not um, but i would like to think that where this pretty much lives is uh, that there's still a very large uh, group of people out there that still prefer to have that physical magazine, that that tangible piece. But on top of that, um, there's there's a market there for people who, you know, live by their tablet and by their computer. And we're trying to, I guess, I don't want to say serve two masters, but uh, we we definitely have both options. Mm-hmm. So if someone wants it just digitally, well, we have it there for you. If someone wants to go ahead and have a physical copy, you know, we have that too. So I think really it's just going to be time is going to tell, um, you know, how things go. Because, again, with, with any product, people might be incredibly crazy about it one minute. And then when that, uh, that honeymoon period kind of fades off, uh, then, then you're really kind of left with, all right, the, you know, who your market really is going to be. Right. And you're staying agile enough to be able to go the way you need to go to keep publishing. Um, yeah, you know, and again, and you know, looking at reasons of why we want to keep relevance in, in the magazine and stay away from, uh, you know, uh, reviews and and web and you know, like links and websites and things like that, just because um, people already have that. Why, you know, why package that forum when anyone can go online and just look something up? You know, give them give them something that's going to make them want to get the magazine or or, or buy the buy the PDF. Mm-hmm. You know, something that's not going to be there. Right. And, 
think that's you know where we're where we're trying to head towards. That's a, uh, raises a question in my mind: is who who's the content for? Is this like player centric content, GM centric content? Is there a a blend? Um, a little bit of both, actually. Um, uh, for example, in issue one, uh, going back to just some of the articles that are in there, uh, Michael Curtis's Nat Damp is a is it is basically a setting that a game master would drop into a campaign. Um, there's there's an article about gaming with for, gaming with your children, that um, that's just there for parents who want to introduce their children to and, and you know to gaming. Uh, there's some stuff in there for the the history buffs. Uh, I did an article for uh, called uh, the cosmology of role playing, which kind of gives a a different look at uh, the history of role playing games by talking about D and D being the Big Bang, and uh, all the other games are being you know universes and star systems uh, based on that uh, first explosion. So there's, you know, there's a little bit of both. There's one in there that uh, compares uh, the original, um, you know, plus one to hit, plus two to damage system compared to the new system's uh, BAB. And uh, even Michael Tresca wrote something on, you know, uh, going through the versions. You know, if you're a if you're a person who plays fourth edition and now wants to play first edition, here's here's the differences. Here are the challenges. So I think there's, yeah, there's just a lot for everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, the content's really going to speak for itself. Uh, it's just something that people really have to to read and, you know, uh, see what we're actually putting out there. So for people who want to know more about the magazine, they can go to the Gygax website. Uh, where, what can they learn about what's in, what they can expect to find in an issue? Well, there's there's been a lot of uh, we've been featured in um, oh god IO9 um, Wired magazine. There's just a lot of uh, a lot of different people who have kind of covered us uh, pre-release and even after release. There's a lot of reviews. Uh, the website goes into a little bit about what the you know obviously what the magazine is. They really just do a Google search for Gygax magazine, and you can just kind of see what people have thought about the articles and and the content. And then if you're really interested in, you know, picking up a copy, come to uh, GygaxMagazine.com. Uh, you can find out about submissions. Uh, you can definitely um, see where, because we're going right now through Drive-Thru RPG mm -hmm. uh, as, our, as our digital distributor. And um, you can also, if you're interested in getting a subscription, you can also do that through uh, the website as well. I had the chance to flip through the, uh, the first issue a couple weeks ago, and I, I loved how dense it was with uh, stuff to read. That actually is is pretty much by design. Um, our publisher Jason is is a firm believer in making sure that there's just a lot of content, just really meaty content, um, just it, and it's in there very densely. Uh, but also, too, you got to think we are right now we are quarterly, so um, you know every three months we're going to have a lot of content definitely to get out there. So, but it also needs to be something legible and something people can read as well because i've i've seen magazines especially going back to early 80s uh gaming magazines where you, know, you can definitely tell it was a typewriter and xerox machine and they just there was like no breaks you're going oh my god how did you just fall asleep reading like three pages of it yeah 
because there was just nothing visual other than these just columns of text. Yeah, occasionally not even a tab. Yeah, it just kind of was. It was kind of maddening. You're you're working on Gygax magazine, at least in part with uh, the sons of Gary Gygax, Luke and Ernie. Yes. This isn't. Uh, you actually made a trip out to the land of Gygax recently, didn't you? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. When actually was it two weeks ago or like a week and a half ago? I was out in uh, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. And that that definitely was an interesting trek, just um, from the standpoint of living on the East Coast for a couple of years, or actually more than a couple of years. I think I've been out here for like 14 years now. But Mm -hmm. um, going from the hustle and bustle of uh, Connecticut, Southwest Connecticut and New York, to just this incredibly laid back uh, town was just, it was amazing. Um, for example, I was at in downtown Lake Geneva on Saturday because I wanted to go ahead and take a, a picture of the house that Gary Gygax and uh, pretty much wrote D and D in. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm just in awe because there's people crossing the street and cars actually stopping. For- <laughs> And not stopping with them where you can see their mouths yelling obscenities from behind the windshield, but just honest, like, well, it's your turn to cross the street sort of attitudes. And, like, no one was beeping and just it was it was weird, you know, because honestly, crossing the street out here in any part of southwest Connecticut, uh, you know, people are going to try to drive around you as you're crossing the street as, you know, this whole concept of, oh, my God, stopping and actually being sincere about it. That's that's crazy talk. Yeah. So we, we, sh- we should get to why you were in Lake Geneva. OK, well, a um, couple of reasons why I was in Lake Geneva. And that's obviously one is Gary Khan. So uh, Gary Khan is in its fifth year. Um, actually, the the origins of Jerry, Gary Khan was. After Gary's uh, passing, um, his his family basically, uh, I guess, rented out a um, like an Elks Lodge, or I can't remember, it was like an American Legion Hall or something. And everyone came, and they ended up gaming. And I think at that point, his family just said, "Hey, you know, this is a great way to honor Gary." And uh, they pretty much just uh, started up the convention, and obviously, it moved, and now it's at a at a pretty like really nice resort out in Lake Geneva. That's just a little, a little bit outside of town. And, um, it was just an amazing event. It's like, I don't even know where to start with the, uh, with the event, but, uh, let's see. It's, it's mainly a lot of old school stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're, you're, you're definitely going to see, uh, your AD and D's. I played in, um, a star frontier game that was kind of like the highlight not really the highlight but definitely one of the highlights of uh, gaming at gary con uh there was a lot of dungeon crawl classics there and believe it or not that i was initially going to gary con as chapter 13 press to promote my game it wasn't until like later that i got involved with tsr and that's like oh well now i have a dual purpose to be here uh, that dual purpose included me and Tim Cask sitting in a back office signing 80 copies of Gygax magazine together. Wow. And it's kind of like um, – uh, because we, we, we had 80 copies that are actually signed by all the staff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and those will be used for something we have coming up um, shortly. But 
but yeah, so it was just a lot of AD and D. They had a wargaming room that had just, um, you know, medieval jousts. There was like this alien setup that was just amazing. Um, just various types of wargaming and skirmish gaming. Uh, there was board gaming. So pretty much the entire resort was set up for Gary Con. You know, like you go to some conventions and you have people there who aren't really part of the convention or maybe there's a couple of uh, ballrooms which aren't really yours. Right. There's a wedding that weekend. Exactly. This, this the whole place was Gary Con. Every table that didn't have anything like that necessary on it was set up for gaming. Uh, the entire place, in, in fact, the menu was altered from their normal uh, fare to provide, you know, really good rate, um, you know, gamer food, I guess, if you want to call it, uh, for for the convention. I had my first bacon donut. I'm like, sorry? Ever. A bacon donut. So the thing is, is that breakfast is, for whatever reason, is only served on Saturday and Sunday, and it's served at this weird time. Mm-hmm. So... I'm scrounging for food and I go by one of the, um, the concessions desks and on there is this plate of donuts and they're maple donuts with fried bacon crisscrossed across the top. Wow. And that is the most, dude, honestly, this is the most tastiest thing I've had in the longest time. <laughs> uh, it was just, I think I had like Sunday, was it Sunday or Saturday? I ended up like having two of them because there's just, Maple, I don't know, maple donuts and bacon just are natural, or they should be. Uh, it, it was amazing stuff. But, yeah, the convention was really cool. The I got to meet a lot of people that um, I've kind of always wanted to meet. So if I, if I get his last name wrong, uh, you know, oh well. Um, Stephen Chenault, I think his last name is, uh, a.k.a. the Troll Lord, uh, the head of um, Troll Lord Games. The people who put out Castles and Crusades and Star Siege, and uh, I think they just put out something called like Fantastic Adventures or something, which is a, a pulp version of their uh, Siege engine. Mm-hmm. So I got to meet him. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to meet uh, Jeff Easley, uh, the artist, uh, who'd done a lot of stuff for um, TSR in the past. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, Noble Knight Games was there, except I didn't get to meet Aaron Leader, who I Still, I don't think I'll ever get to meet. But uh, Frank Menser, who I've met before, Tim Kask. Um, I got to meet um, the creator of Metamorphosis Alpha, James Ward, Ooh. who is a, a really nice guy, and people just clamored to his table. He was running Metamorphosis? Um, oh, he, no, he was actually running, because Jim Ward, uh, fr- uh, Tim Kask, and Frank Menser both have a company called uh, well three of them have run a company called um eldritch uh eldritch ent or eldritch enterprises right which is and they publish their own um osr related material just like really old school dungeons that you can use with any system sort of thing but uh jim ward was running uh his uh his space uh, his sci-fi version or module that he ran and so apparently the big thing is is that Tim Cask and James Ward or Jim Ward are are known for TPKs. In fact, people migrate to their games to pretty much say, "Hey, I was killed by Tim Cask or I was killed by James Ward." So that was uh, that was really interesting. Um, 
I got to I didn't really get a chance to meet him, but I've seen him all over the place. Uh Tom Wom. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy who, you know, awful green things and uh, Snit's Revenge and, and all that good stuff. So he was there. Def- you know, and it, it's it's just weird. You kind of picture people in your mind and then when you actually meet them, they're they're completely different. But, you know, in that cool sort of way. In situations like this, I, I, I get this weird disconnect of I feel like I know you because I've read so many words you've written, but I clearly don't. Was, were you getting that at all? Honestly, it's such a relaxed atmosphere there. Honest. So here, here's a comment I made. Someone actually, kind of who's been to Carnage, uh, made a comment because Gary Khan is like Carnage um, squared. Hmm. So, because like one of the reasons I love coming to Carnage is it's like being around family. I you know I go to Carnage to play games to hang out with people I know. You know, rinse, lather, repeat. Yeah, that's that's Gary Con, but just on this weirder. Because even at Carnage, you still have a lot of people who don't, a lot of groups that don't in, intermingle with each other. So there's still people who may not kind of talk, or you know, everyone has their own cliques. Yeah, there's there's tribes. Um, Gary Con wasn't like that at all. It was almost like everyone there was just this incredible. It was this incredible energy of people just hanging out and talking and exchanging ideas and playing games together. And there really wasn't this, it just, you didn't feel the click. So that feeling of, Oh my God, I'm, if anything, it was, there was a couple of times where I wanted to go ahead and meet Jolly Blackburn, uh, the guy who does nights at the dinner table. Right. And uh, works for Kenzer. And he was the only one I was kind of like, kind of going oh my god you know i just i don't know how to approach him because he, he didn't really seem to like talk to a lot of people but ultimately i went up there and started talking to him and he's a really nice guy he just you know he was talking to me um the troll lord actually i met in the bar where everyone because it's like after gaming is over everyone just kind of migrates to the bar and just drinks like you do you got to wind down from gaming so that's that's where i ended up meeting um uh, steve chanel uh, I met actually one of the artists who worked on uh, Tales from the Fallen Empire, Doug Kovacs. Great guy. Oh, my God. It, we pretty much hung out with him the whole weekend, but just really, really fun. A lot of energy. Um, really good guy. And just there was just so many people. And Margaret Weiss was there. I was Now, I had met Margaret back in um, Gen Con 2006. And granted, when I see met, it was... Um, I was friends with uh, Jamie Chambers, one of her former employees at Margaret Weiss Productions, mm-hmm. and uh, he introduced me, and I got a picture with her and Jamie and stuff, but I didn't really feel it was kind of like my place to kind of go up and go, hey, Margaret, because, you know, I like met her for a whole five minutes, <laughs> you know, like what, going on seven years ago, so but I guess the, the whole, ooh, that's Margaret Weiss was probably the the biggest of the uh, maybe I, you know, maybe I shouldn't go up and say hi. I'm sure, you know, she wouldn't have, like shot me or anything, but still, just being polite and respectful. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw her at PAX last year, and I was like, I, I, I thought about you, just letting you know how, how deeply I devoured all her novels in middle school. I was like, I'm sure she's already heard that story. She doesn't need to hear that again. Oh, yeah. Well, the funny thing is that Gen Con 2006, I had no Dragonlance material on me. And I'm like going, oh great, Margaret Weiss is here, and what? So I actually went out and bought one of her newest novels, 
and at the time, and I was just like, oh, can you sign this? And it would have been meaningful if I had like my Dragonlance Adventures book or my my first copy of um, one of the first Chronicles book. Mm-hmm. But you know, so it kind of felt a little cheap. Like I just bought this. Could you sign this? But you know, whatever. I'm sure she, uh, you know, meant you know, it was it was uh, nothing big. So it's the autograph copy that counts. So you ran some DCC. Did you what? What did you get to play? I played three games. Um, so I got to play Star Frontiers, which, and I got to play Yazarian, which just completely made that entire day. Because you know the Azarians, me and anything monkey-like is just pure bliss. So I got to play Azarian. That was incredibly fun. Got to kill and shoot things. Um, the second game I played in, actually no, I should actually probably say I played in four games. Uh, second game I played in was uh, one of Tim Cask's games. Uh, uh, his newest module, uh, I think it's like uh, Curse of the Spider Queen or. Uh, something or Curse of the Spider Reaver. I can't remember what the module's called, but um, and I and actually I lived through a Tim Cask adventure, so that was kind of fun. So, so you got the limited edition T-shirt. You survived a Tim Cask game. Yeah, I well, and he had these little buttons made too, but they didn't come till after the fact that people had were wearing that said, you know, I, I you know I survived a Tim Cask game or or whatever. But it was kind of fun. Um, and then the third game I played in was a very interesting variation of um, Dungeon Crawl Classics. Uh, Doug Kovac, the the uh, the artist who did uh, Tales, and he's also done like covers for Goodman Games, and pretty much most of the artwork in DCC is Doug. Mm-hmm. Um, ran a DCC game where we didn't even really use the DCC rules. He actually, he ran it more like Fiasco. He had this like stack of paper that each one just had just random stuff on it. Like I remember one mine said like prostitute dressed in blue. And <laughs> so he handed everyone these cards and then we had to like integrate them into the story and then connect each other through these to each other. And then he just gave us this mission. And honestly, I think we rolled dice like three times and it was just this amazing, well, it was like this little two hour game, but it was just so like so role play heavy and so interactive and everyone was so into it that it was just a complete blast. Um, so 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 you, you you sort of built a party out of the cards and then went on the adventure or the cards became the adventure? No, we actually he had a bunch of pre gen characters. So we all chose a pre gen character. Yeah. And then he just gave us the cards and said, All right, well build, you know, build your background with each other, uh, based on what you've been drawn. And then, you know, interconnect yourselves and then introduce these concepts into the story. And then so he goes, all right, well, you're in this town. And why are you in this town? And we just came up with this story like, oh, well, I, I played the sorcerer. And I was like, well, of course, I'm here because I need to perform a sacrifice to kill the mayor. Because once I kill the mayor, then all this arcane energy is going to flow into me and I'll be able to rule this city. And everyone just kind of played along with it, and just suddenly it became this like Ocean's Eleven plot to kill mayor, and we were just all into. And like I had the prostitute dressed in blue, and that was my thing: is that in order to perform the sacrifice, I had to find a prostitute dressed in blue. And uh, it it just, it just got kind of silly in some parts, but it just ultimately it was incredibly fun. We we all had a blast. Awesome. And then for the last game. 
was I think probably the one that just kind of made me feel all shiny and special was Sunday night. I got invited to a Pathfinder game with uh, Luke Gygax and um, Stephen. I can't think of his last name, uh, or I'll mispronounce his last name, but I think it's like Porconi. Uh, he's the he's the owner of uh, Dwarven Forge. Mm-hmm. So him, Luke, and a few other of the uh, the you know the the Gygax, uh, the Gary Khan uh, inner circle. We're in this game and I got invited to fill one of the seats and that if anything I just felt like this I felt like I was like 15 again getting to sit at like the cool kids table yeah and uh, the game oh god the game went really late we we're just like drinking so it was <laughs> playing and um, just you know we were playing the story but definitely just everything sidetracked and everyone was having a good time but that I think that was awesome because the game ended at like three. I went to bed for two hours, got up, drove back to uh, to Milwaukee, and jumped on a plane. So that that kind of closed the convention for me. On a high note. Yeah, no, it was it was great. Um, I think that the last thing really about the con that, um, and I actually mentioned this on Facebook, and I'll mention it in case any of your listeners are interested. For the longest time, I've been kind of having a communication back and forth with the Dead Game Society. Now, the, uh, for those of you who are not familiar with the Dead Game Society, they're a group out of the Midwest who go to conventions and run, well, dead games. Uh, their website, you know, the, you can see all the things. So they run a lot of the old TSR stuff, FOSSA Star Trek, um, Call of Cthulhu, just anything that's really just out of print, um, that's, that's what they run. And I've always wanted to start a group like that over here and actually a chapter of Dead Game Society. And some years ago I went at them and we talked and then it just, things didn't happen and I lost contact. So finally I had them face to face at Gary Con. And I said, look, I, I, this is, I really want to do this. I want to put together a Dead Game Society, uh, a New England chapter. So we can go to all the, the New England cons, OGC, Carnage, Kineticon, um, Anonicon and just go and, and bring cool out of print games to uh, the masses. And they were actually very, uh, very open to it. So right now I've been trying to do a little bit of um, press ganging <laughs> in a way of uh, getting interested parties into um, seeing if they'd be interested in doing something like this and forming a core organization that would uh, go to some of the New England cons and just, you know, do some. Uh, old school uh, programming. My ears pricked up when I first heard about this on Facebook, and I'm still interested. Uh, I, I want this to come together because there's so much of this new and shininess in, in tabletop where it's, it's people people sort of leave behind what used to be new and shiny, and it's still perfectly shiny. It's just not new anymore. You know, and some of the new stuff out there is really great. I'm not going to put it down, but some of the new stuff out there is kind of the old stuff repackaged. You know, so... Like, for example, at Carnage, because um, that, that is my goal. At every convention I go to, I bring one old game to run. So um, every year at Carnage, I try to do it. So this year, or last year, was uh, Cyberpunk 2013. You know, I, I had a blast just running that. And um, John Sussenberger uh, was there, and he was, you know, again, a big fan of the game. So if anything, the people that were playing, we just had a great time out of this old nostalgia for this game. Whether or not we did anything 100% right as per rules, it was just that 
wow, I remember like, you know, loading up my smart gun and just, you know, letting go full auto sort of feeling to it that just made the game incredibly fun. And what do you think you might bring back this year? Oh God, for that, that is, uh, that is, that is yet to be thought about. There's a, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of things, especially since my older game collection has been kind of, um, uh, building over the uh, the past uh, year, actually, you know what? I, I might I, Carnage might actually be where I, I run RuneQuest Two, not the uh, not the Mongoose version, but the original Chaosium version, because that that's been sitting on my shelf, kind of uh, whining for a long time. I think it needs some attention. Yeah, definitely. But um, but yeah, no. So if there's anyone of your listeners or anything out there, um, they can definitely. Uh, they can definitely contact me. What I can do is, um, you know, give you a, or just, do you have um, show notes sort of thingy? Or Oh, yes, there'll be show notes for all this, but uh, just just for the people who are too impatient to go back to the page, where, if they want to get in touch with you about Dead Game Society or Tales from the Fallen Empire uh, or any of your other numerous projects, where can they reach you on the internet? Um, actually, probably the best place to go would be uh, james at chapter13press.com can usually filter it out from there as far as where everything is going. Um, and again, just going back to Gygax Magazine, if um, people want to submit for uh, Gygax, the website has a um, submission process, and then that goes over to um, our social media person, uh, Susan, and she you know, gets that over to me and also just kind of smacks me in the head every time I... Uh, kind of forget to look at stuff so we got a support system going yeah, many intricate linkages because i mean besides the magazine front we also want to start doing stuff like events um you know so sponsored events so just to kind of uh promote gaming uh, one of like for example this saturday um is international tabletop day that um felicia day and will wheaton through their geek and sundry are promoting a worldwide um, event. Mm-hmm. Which will have happened by the time this episode drops. So I know the Kineticon shop in Newington, Connecticut is doing the uh, the International Game Day. I was just wondering if any stores up in Vermont were taking uh, part in that. Uh, Quarterstaff Games here in Burlington is doing a thing on Saturday, and I know the um, Border Board Games, or they will have done it, and then Border Board Games, which is way up Five feet from the Canadian border is uh, throwing a, a tabletop thing of their own. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, quarterstaff is just awesome. I, it's kind of like I can't go into Burlington without going there at least one day and just sifting through stuff. Yeah, you, you got to make the pilgrimage. Yeah, definitely. So, James, uh, any closing thoughts before we close out this episode? The focus of uh, what I've been doing for, the, I guess, the past couple of years has really just been to promote gaming. You know, whether it's been uh, organizing events at conventions, uh, going to conventions, uh, you know, working on this magazine, publishing games. Uh, I'm just, you know, really think it's it's a great social outlet. You know, and I, I don't want this to sound like a PSA, but you know, it's I, I think that um, it's a great way to spend your time. You know, and there's just so much of it out there. There's so many groups. You know, pick up some dice, pick up a board game, head to a local hobby store, um, and just and just do it. And if there's no one in your area to to run games, uh, start running them yourselves. And honestly, I you know I said I gave you my um, 
you know, my email address earlier, just uh, james at chapter13press.com. Because, um, you know, if you're saying, hey, I'd love to run some games, but there's no one in my area to do it, contact me because I can, I can definitely assure you that I can, I can find resources in your area that will point you in the right direction. So, um, you know, because that's, that's really what it's all about is spreading the, spreading the love of the hobby. Yeah, it's, it's really picked up in the last couple of years, and uh, it's, I think it does a lot of social good. Oh, definitely. So thanks very much for coming on the show tonight, James. I uh, hope to hear more from you soon in the future, and see you at Carnage in November in Killington. Yep, uh, looking forward to it. You've been listening to Carnage Cast, a production of NNEG LLC. All rights reserved. For more information, visit us at www.carnagecon.com. <laughs>